I start at page 12. Can rank be different if authenticity is equal? If all prophets are equal in authenticity, must they also need to be equal in rank? The answer to this question is that in many respects, prophets can vary in their personal qualities and the way they discharge their responsibilities. As far as their nearness to God and the relative status they hold in the sight of God is concerned, messengers and prophets can differ from each other. A study of the history of prophets from the account of the Holy Bible, the Holy Quran and other scriptures also affirms this conclusion. The Holy Quran admits that there are differences of status in a manner that should not disturb the peace of man. The same Holy Quran that declares that there is no difference as far as the authenticity of messages, messages from God are concerned between one prophet of God and another declares, these messengers have we exalted, some of them above others. Among them, there are those to whom Allah spoke frequently, and some of them he exalted by degrees of rank. Having accepted this proposition, one may wonder as to who should be considered as the highest in rank among the prophets. This is a sensitive issue. Yet, one cannot close one's eyes to the importance of this question. Adherents of almost all religions claim that the father of their religion stands supreme and no one else can be a match to him in excellence, dignity, piety, honor, and in short, all the qualities that go into the making of a prophet. Then, does Islam also claim that Muhammad, the Holy Prophet وسلم, of Islam, is the most exalted of all prophets? Yes, Islam does make an unambiguous claim about the par excellence and supremacy of the qualities of the Holy Prophet over all the rest of the prophets of the world. Yet, there is a very clear difference between Islam and other religions in their attitude to this claim. First of all, it should be kept in mind that no religion other than Islam recognizes the universality of prophethood. When the Jews claim, if they do, that Moses was the greatest prophet, they are not comparing Moses with Buddha, Krishna, Jesus, or Muhammad because they deny the claims of all other great founders of the religions mentioned above to be genuine and worthy of acceptance. So, in the Jewish list of prophets, no prophets are included other than those specifically mentioned in the Old Testament. Even the possibility of there being prophets elsewhere is ruled out. In the light of this attitude, their claim regarding the supremacy of any Judaic prophet does not belong to the same category as that of Islam. And according to Judaism, as according to Judaism, prophets outside the Holy Bible simply do not exist. Exactly the same is the nature of similar claims of Buddhism, Zoroastrianism, Hinduism, etc. There is yet another difference to be kept in mind. When we talk of their prophets, we are aware that they do not always refer to their holy religious figures as prophets. The concept of prophets and messengers as understood in Judaism, Christianity and Islam is not exactly shared by most other religions. Instead, they treat the founders of their religion and holy men as holy personages or reincarnations of God or God himself or something approaching that. Perhaps in this respect, Jesus Christ also should be understood as an exception from the vantage point of Christianity. But according to Islam, all these so-called gods or reincarnations of God 
or the so-called sons or children of God are merely prophets and messengers who were deified by their followers at a much later point. In fact, to be more specific, according to Islam, the deification of holy personages in various religions is a very gradual process and, that, and not that of the generation contemporary to the Prophet ﷺ. But of that, we shall speak later. When Islam, however, claims that its holy founder is supreme amongst the Prophet, it takes into account the holy personages of all the religions of the world in the sense understood by the Judeo-Islamic concept of prophets. It may, bear repeating, it may bear repeating that Islam considers the founders of all revealed religions to be merely human beings who were raised by God to the status of prophethood. There is no exception in this universal phenomenon. For instance, the Holy Quran declares, فَكَيْفَ إِذَا جِئْنَا مِنْ كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ بِشَهِيدٍ وَجِئْنَا بِكَ عَلَى هَاؤُلَاءِ شَهِيدًا How will it fare with them when we shall bring a witness from every people and shall bring thee as a witness against these? Having made this essential clarification, we now proceed to study the status of the Holy Prophet ﷺ of Islam according to the Holy Quran. The most conspicuous and incontrovertible claim regarding the Holy Prophet ﷺ of Islam is made, in, is made in the widely known and extensively discussed verse of the Holy Quran. مَا كَانَ مُحَمَّدٌ أَبَا أَحَدٍ مِنْ رِجَالِكُمْ وَلَكِنْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَقَاتَمَ النَّبِجِينَ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمًا Muhammad is not the father of any of your men, but he is the messenger of Allah and خَاتَمَ النَّبِجِينَ The seal of prophets. And Allah has full knowledge of all things. The Arabic word خَاتَم in this verse has many connotations about the essence of a title Khatman Nabijin, but the essence of a title Khatman Nabijin is, without a shadow of doubt, to be the very best, the supreme, the last word, the final authority, the one who encompasses all and testifies to the truth of others. Another verse which speaks of the excellence of the Holy Prophet, Holy Founder of Islam, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, declares that. The teachings of the Holy Prophet ﷺ are perfect and final. The verse runs as follows. اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم وأتممت عليكم نعمتي ورضيت لكم الإسلام دينا. This day have I perfected your religion for you and completed my favor upon you and have chosen for you Islam as religion. The obvious inference from this claim would be that of all law-bringing prophets of the world and in giving the world the most perfect teaching, he occupies the highest station amongst the prophets. Developing the theme further, the Holy Founder وسلم, is assured in no uncertain terms that the book being revealed to him will be guarded and protected from interpolations. As such, not only is the teaching claimed to be perfect, but also it is declared to be everlasting to be kept pure and unadulterated in the very words in which they were revealed to the Holy Founder of Islam The history of the last 14 centuries has borne ample witness to the truth of this claim. The following are some relevant verses. Surely we ourselves have sent down the exaltation and we will most surely be its guardian. بل هو قرآن مجيد في لوح محفوظ. Surely, this is a glorious Quran in a well-guarded tablet. In view of the above, 
the holy founder sallallahu alaihi wasallam of islam is clearly not only declared to be supreme but also the last and final law bearing prophet sallallahu wasallam whose authority would continue to remain good till the end of time having said that one begins to wonder if in the eyes of some this claim about the supremacy of the holy founder of islam would be tantamount to creating ill will or misunderstanding amongst the followers of other religions so how can one reconcile this claim with the theme of this address namely that islam guarantees peace in all spheres of human interest religion being not the least important among them it was with this question in mind that i had to elaborate this claim at some length this question can be answered to the satisfaction of an unprejudiced and inquiring mind in more than one way as has already been mentioned before Similar claims are also made by followers of many other religions. It is only prudent for one to investigate the relative merits of the claim without being unduly excited about it. By itself, such a claim should not offend the sensi sen sensibilities of the followers of other religions who make similar counterclaims. But Islam goes one step further by teaching humility and decency to its followers so that their belief in the supremacy of the holy father of islam is not expressed incautiously thereby giving offense to others the following two traditions of the holy father of islam stand aloft as beacons to illuminate the case in point one one of the companions of the holy father of islam sallallahu alaihi wasallam became involved in a rather heated discussion with a staunch follower of the prophet juna alaihi salam of the fish or whale both parties in the debate claimed their respective prophet to be head and shoulders above the other in excellence it appears that the muslim contender might have rubbed in the claim in a manner so, so as to hurt the sensibility of the follower of junaalaisalam who approached prophet muhammad sallallahu and lodged a complaint against the muslim involved in this debate addressing the community in general the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam issued the following words of instructions لا تفضلوني على يونس بن متى. Do not declare me to be superior over Jonah. That is Yunus, son of Matta. Some Muslim commentators of traditions are perplexed by this tradition, as it seemingly stands counter to the Quranic claim that Muhammad sallallahu is superior not only to Jonah sallam, but all prophets sallam. But they seem to miss the point that what he said was not that he was inferior to Jonah. not superior to Jonah but simply that his followers should not declare him to be superior in a manner liable to hurt the feelings of others in the context of what had passed the only inference one can draw is that the prophet sallallahu was teaching muslims a lesson in decency he was instructing them not to become involved in bragging they should take care to avoid discussing his status in a manner that could cause offense Such an attitude would indeed be detrimental to the cause of Islam because instead of winning hearts and minds to the message of Islam quite an quite the opposite would be achieved. 2. This attitude of the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is corroborated further by another tradition in which a Muslim was involved in a similar argument with a Jew. Both claimed and counterclaimed the relative superiority of their spiritual leaders. Again, It was the non-Muslim contender who thought it fit to lodge a complaint against the behavior of his Muslim adversary. The Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam responded with his habitual humility and prudence and taught the Muslim the same lesson in decency and courtesy by admonition. La tufaddiluni ala Musa 
do not declare my superiority over Moses salam. The long and short of this is that it is for God to decide and declare the comparative ranking of the various prophets salam, closeness to him. It is quite likely that in a particular age, in the context of a particular religion, God may have expressed his pleasure with the prophet of the time in such strong terms as to declare that he was the best. Supers can, after all, be also used in relative terms in the context of a limited application of time and space. This could easily have led the followers of that holy personage to believe that he was the best and holiest for all ages and for all times to come. To genuinely believe in this should not be considered an offense against others. A civilized attitude would require that such issues should not be abused to create friction amongst religions. That exactly is the true import of the admonition of the Holy Prophet ﷺ quoted above. If adherence to this principle of humility and decency is adopted by all religions, the world of religious controversy would be the better for it. Salvation cannot be monopolized by any single religion. The question of salvation, howsoever innocent it may appear, is potent in its danger to peace in the religious world. It is one thing for a religion to declare that those who seek to be redeemed from Satan and attain salvation should rush to the safe haven of that religion. It is there that they would find salvation and eternal liberation from sin. But it is quite another thing for the same religion to declare in the next breath that those who do not come hither to seek revelation uh, to seek refuge will be damned eternally one and all whatever they, they do to please god however much they love their creator and his creation however much they lead a life of purity and piety they would most certainly be condemned to an everlasting fire when such a rigid narrow-minded and non-tolerant view is expressed in a provocative language as generally is by religious zealots it is known to have produced violent riots people come in all shapes and sizes some are educated cultured and refined and so are their reactions to offenses committed against them yet a large number of religiously inclined people be they educated or illiterate are likely to react violently when their religious sensibilities are hurt Unfortunately, this seems to be the attitude of the clergy of almost all religions of the world against those who do not conform to their faith. Even Islam is presented by most medieval scholars as the only door to salvation, in the sense that ever since the advent of Islam, all the descendants of Adam salam, who have lived and died outside the pale of Islam are denied salvation. Christianity does not offer a different view, nor does any religion to my knowledge. But let me assure my audience that the attribution of this bigoted and narrow view to Islam has no justification. The Holy Quran has a completely different story to tell us in this regard. According to the Holy Quran, salvation cannot be monopolized by any single religion of the world, even if new truths are revealed and new errors of light have dawned. Those who live a life of ignorance through no fault of their own and those who generally try to lead a life of truth even if they inherited false ideologies will not be denied salvation by God. The following verses from the Holy Quran elaborate this point further. For every people we have appointed ways of worship which they observe, so let them not dispute with thee 
in the matter of the Islamic way of worship, and call thou the people to thy Lord, for surely thou art on the right guidance. In another verse, the Holy Quran declares in the same context, Surely, those who have believed in Muhammad وسلم, and the Jews and the Sabians and the Christians, whoso believes in Allah and the last day and does good deeds, on them shall come no fear, nor shall they grieve. Let me remind you that although the people of the book is applicable to Jews and Christians, potentially it has a much wider application. In the context of the Quranic assertion that there is no people in the world, but we have sent a warner to them, and similar verses cited earlier, we are left with no room for doubt that these were not only the people of the Old Testament and the Gospel, or the Torah and the Injil, who were given the book, but most certainly other books were revealed for the benefit of mankind. So all religions which have a claim to be founded on divine revelation, all religions which have a claim to be founded on divine revelation would also be included among the people of the book. Again, the Holy Quran uses the term Sabi, which further clarifies the issue and dispels doubt. Sabi is a term used by the Arabs to apply to the followers of all non-Arab and non-Semitic religions which have their own revealed books. As such, followers of all religions based on divine revelation have been granted the assurance that, provided they do not fail to recognize the truth of a new religion, despite their sincere efforts to understand and stick honestly and truly to the values of their ancestral religion, they have nothing to fear from God and will not be denied salvation. The Holy Quran, speaking of whichever party from among the believers, Jews, Christians, and Sabians, promises, shall have their reward with their Lord, and no fear shall come upon them, nor shall they grieve. And, if they had observed the Torah and the Gospel and what has been now sent down to them from their Lord, they would surely have eaten of good things from above them and from under their feet. Among them are people who are moderate, but many of them are such that evil is what they do. To prevent Muslims from uh, censoring indiscriminately all those who do not belong to Islam, the Holy Quran categorically declares, لَيْسُوا سَوَاءَ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ أُمَّةٌ قَائِمَةٌ يَتْلُونَ آيَاتِ اللَّهِ آنَاءَ اللَّيْلِ وَهُمْ يَسْجُدُونَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَيَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَيُسَارِعُونَ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ وَأُولَئِكَ مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ وَمَا يَفْعَلُوا مِنْ خَيْرٍ فَلَنْ يُكْفَرُوهُ وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ بِالْمُتَّقِينَ They are not all alike. Among the people of the book are those who are very pious and God-fearing and who stand by their covenants. They recite the word of Allah in the hours of night and prostrate themselves before Him. They believe in Allah in the last day and enjoin good and forbid evil and hasten to vie with one another in good works. These are among the righteous. Whatever good they do, they shall not be denied its due reward, and Allah well knows those who guard against evil. 
There is a great misunderstanding today, born out of a recent political rivalries between the Jews and the Muslims, that according to Islam, all Jews are hell-bound. This is totally false in light of what I have recited before you from the Holy Quran and in light of the following verse, وَمِنْ قَوْمِ مُوسَىٰ أُمَّةٌ يَهْدُونَ بِالْحَقِّ وَبِهِ يَعْدِلُونَ Of the people of Moses, there is a party who guides with truth and does justice therewith. I end at page 23.